personally, I don't ever want to say anything negative about pastors or counselors or therapists right. or whatever. But I just think that what I do is a little bit different than what they do. And hopefully it can help in a different kind of a way. And now, coming to you from the K2 Studios in San Diego, California, it's the world-famous Chris and Christine Show. Hey, what's happened, everybody? How you doing today? I am Chris. And I'm Christine, and welcome to episode 45 of the Chris and Christine Show. Do-do-do-do! Awesome, number 45, and today is Sunday, happened to be... The 4th of July weekend, yesterday was 4th of July. Yes, it was. In America, by the way. If, you, if you're in another country, I know we celebrate Independence Day, July 4th. Happy America. Happy America Day. Hashtag America. Hashtag, hashtag, <laughs> hashtag 4th of July weekend. It is summer. Uh, enjoying the weather. How are you doing today, Christine? I'm doing good. It is hot outside today. This is like the first weekend where we've had to have the air conditioner on both days because it's like triple digits where we live right now. Yeah, I think it went to 100 degrees, didn't it? Yeah, yesterday it was like 100 degrees. But when we went to our friend's house where we were celebrating 4th of July, it was like gradually cooler as we got closer to the coast. And then we get there and it's like 25 degrees cooler. Well, let's backtrack a little bit, Christine. So yes. yesterday was 4th of July. Yes. So what did we do on 4th of July? Physically? on 4th of July? Uh, we woke up. Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> I mean, I woke up. You woke up, yes. Um, we ran some errands. And then the kids woke up, but it took a while. But yeah, yeah they woke up. Yeah, it took a while. And then uh, we were going over to a friend's house, a, another family. Uh, we decided to... We've Well, I've been hanging out with her a little bit, and so we know that we've both been like careful on the social distancing stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, so we felt like we were comfortable going over there, took the kids over there and had a barbecue and they have a jacuzzi. So the kids all hopped into the jacuzzi and it was basically like a that big, was the whole night. <laughs> yeah, they, they, it was like a big, giant, warm swimming pool. It was like a frat kids. party for well, kids. For, for kids, yeah. The, <laughs> Capri yeah. Suns on little floaties inside of the jacuzzi and having a blast they were having so much fun and then s'mores over the little fire table at the end of the day the s'mores were awesome although they did have the giant jumbo um marshmallows so that they were super super gooey and they were so messy because i made mine there was like overflowing waterfall of marshmallow goop all over my hands and face (laughs) face it it was so hilarious it was all over like the kids faces and hands but it was the best ever and I would say like I've been used to really busy 4th of July's before and I really liked this one. You know, there were some illegal fireworks in the neighborhood. Not That's ours. right, because fireworks were actually canceled this year. I think in the anything by the ocean or the bay, the state parks were closed. The state beaches were closed. All the state park, state beach parking lots were closed. And the state fireworks, I believe, were closed. Right. So, so only a few places in the city of San Diego were actually having fireworks this year. And, and I don't... The, well, the, uh, what I think happened, though, Chris, is that in the absence of having these large productions of fireworks displays, people just figured out how to invest in them themselves. Right, which is highly illegal in, right. in the uh, this part of, of California. I do believe in the desert area regions, um, fireworks are probably uh, still legal, like out in the desert where there's nothing to burn down. Right. I think you're allowed to have them, but only select kind. You can't get like the M80s, I think they're called, ones that like blow your hands off. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Or, but like for us, they're outlawed because of all of the potential for wildfires yes. because it's wildfire season right now. Well, 
it's always wildfire season in Southern California. There's, well, I mean, it's like brown, dead stuff right now. Well, it's, yeah, it's desert. Yes, it is the uh, hottest time of the year, obviously, summer. So there is a lot of dead brush and a lot of uh, weeds and things like that. And if you have ever watched anything on the news, but the major wildfires we've had, like in the L.A. region, Basin, uh, San Diego, like 10 years ago. Right. The whole city was going to burn down. Um, yeah, it got pretty crazy. You know, you've probably seen it on the news. Yeah, totally. So we had fun last night and the kids were sitting in the jacuzzi tub and then eating their s'mores, not in the jacuzzi tub, um, watching the big illegal fireworks launching, you know, a couple streets over a mile over whatever. And that was super fun. And then we came home and stayed up super late and woke up and now we're podcasting. Today is Sunday. Happy Sunday to everybody. Happy Sunday. But Chris, let's uh, run everybody through what's been happening in our life this week. Do you want to start it off? Oh, well, let me tell you, people, if um, you are a homeowner, (laughs) you may have realized as being a homeowner, you can't just call your landlord or your rental office and say, please just fix this problem I may have right now. Which is a big wake up call for me coming recently from an apartment where all I had to do was like log into an app and be like... There's this big spider on my porch and they'd come and kill it. For real? They kill spiders for you too? Yeah, they'd come and spray for them and everything and take more, down the cobwebs and all that. I was saying more like this washing machine's not working. Please oh, yeah, come but, fix it. But I'm saying like, like there's the whole spectrum, like all the way from please kill the spider or take the snake off of my porch all the way to... Do they have that button on the app? Like, please click which problem you may have. You say, <laughs> yeah. say spider on my porch, click, click. And then a picture of like, like how big it is. It was like pest removal or something like that. And then the, you have to designate the area. But yeah, there's like a whole drop down list. And then they show up. And there's a whole maintenance team. In the Smith-Shipman household, their maintenance team is a team of two. And their names are Chris and Christine. <laughs> the Chris and Christine household house. Well, let me tell you, people, the... Like I said, being a homeowner, it has its challenges because um, sometimes things break and sometimes things go wrong and you are responsible to getting it fixed and figure out how to do. So what happened, uh, what, three nights ago, was it? Well, no, it was in the morning. It was on Wednesday, mm, Thursday morning. Wednesday morning. Thursday morning. Thursday morning. There is a second bathroom on the upstairs level here right and that bathroom uh has dual sinks there's a vanity with sinks and underneath the sinks there's storage and we keep uh dry towels for to use for the shower and things like that right and so chris works nights and so when i'm getting ready because i work during the day uh remotely i go out into the hall bathroom and i shower and get ready so that he's able to sleep and doesn't uh get woken up before like 10 30 because he's not home until like 3 30 and so whenever i go into shower I typically reach under that sink and I grab a clean towel so that I have something to use when I dry off. And I just had happened to take all of the other clean towels. Like I every week or so, I like do a roundup of the towels around the household and I did like rounded up all of the spare little orphan for, towels. For laundry or for something? laundry, yeah, to wash them. And so like all the towel I'd used the day before was in the wash. So I needed a fresh towel. So I reach under the sink and what did I find, Chris? You reach under the sink, you grab a fresh dry towel, <laughs> quotation, uh, quotation marks, dry towel, and she found a wet towel. And she's like, that's odd. So she grabs the next towel. Oh, that's odd. That one's wet too. Then she grabs the next one. And Even they're, wetter. They're all wet. And not just like, we're not talking like sprinkles of water, like maybe one of the kids dumped a, like a cup and it fell. I'm talking like you took the towel 
and you left it inside of your swimming pool for five days wet. Drenched, soaking wet, all of the towels. How many towels do you think there were? Like 12. Like 12. Well, it's this stack that's sitting right here. So while you're talking, Uh, I'm going to count. One, two, three. So there's probably like 10, 12 towels. And what happened was- Beach towels, 10 beach towels. 10 beach towels were under the sink. And the supply line from the wall to the faucet had ruptured. And nobody knew about it overnight. So it ran water under the sink. By the way, upstairs, everybody, it ran water into the vanity, into those towels, which soaked up a good chunk of it, but not enough. It ran through the floor, down the wall, through the garage floor ceiling, into the garage, into happens to be an actual bucket I had there. Luckily, we had some storage buckets we weren't using, some storage tubs that were open and just happened to be sitting right under that area because it filled one of those storage bins full of water. Yeah, so it's like a 25-gallon bin, uh, maybe 16-gallon. But when I moved in here, I had extra stuff and we don't like clutter around the house. And so we had agreed that that... Uh, my extra stuff would go into these bins. Well, we bought a few too many. And so there was like three extra ones that were stacked up and just sitting there with like the lid propped inside of it. And Chris discovered it. But let me let me backtrack for just a second because some people might not understand what the supply line is. And I just figured this out. Uh, but what happens is there is a line that goes from your water source, whatever that is, into the house to the sink. And there's a certain amount of pressure to keep water in it all the time. So what happens if a supply line ruptures is there's a consistent pressure flow of water. And so if you don't find it for overnight, that water has been pressurized pushing in kind of like a a geyser or a water fountain running nonstop. Right. Or like having the faucet on, but not going down the sink. But like full pressure on. Well, it's, yeah, it's going it's going into the ground, the floor. It's not going into the, down the drain. Right. But we're in a second story, like Chris said. And so for us, that water filled the vanity. It filled the 10 towels that we had sitting there. And then, like he said, it went down the wall, which we don't know the extent of the damage yet. But then uh, we didn't even know when we first found it, like that it was that bad until the plumber came out from the home warranty that Chris had called. Um, He's great. Chris has a home warranty and homeowner's insurance on the house. Thank goodness, because the home warranty comes out and immediately fixes the plumbing. And then he said, well, um, where does this, where does this go to? And I said, oh, well, it goes to the garage. And so we walk down there while Chris is at work, because I'm handling this now because he had to leave. And I find completely drenched drywall. I put my hand like there's a huge water spot and I rubbed my hand across it and typically it would just be kind of dry and chalky. It was like clay coming off in my hand. That is the floor of the bathroom, aka the ceiling of the garage. And then I didn't even tell that to Chris that I had found that because he was working. I didn't want him to freak out. So then Chris, you come home at uh, the next day, it wasn't even that night. It was the next day because we're like damage control, trying to get contractors out. What did you find? Maybe it was that night. What did you find at 1.30 in the morning when you came home from work? Well, that's when I found the water all pulled up in that storage bin that happened to be sitting right beneath the... Because I look up, I'm looking at it, and I looked, and I smelled something kind of weird. And I looked down into the bin, and I'm like, the bin's full of water. So that's what I noticed. And I had to dump it out and all that stuff. But uh, 
Yeah. Wow. That's what it's like being a homeowner. (laughs) Yeah. So we are in the midst of, well, of course, that happened on a holiday weekend. We filed a claim for the homeowner's insurance. First, we like tried to figure out, could we pay for this on our own and not have to file a water claim on the house? And then when we realized all of that water had poured through, we knew that there's going to need to be some restoration to the bones of the house, basically. So we file a homeowner insurance claim. Yeah, we're still waiting and, to hear back on that. And it says on there, your claim specialist will be assigned to you and get right back to you. Well, by the time Chris had to leave for work on Friday, we still hadn't heard back. So I call the emergency number and the homeowner's insurance office is closed for the holiday weekend, of course, because Friday was the observed holiday. So here we are sitting in the house wondering <laughs> if it's going to fall apart on us. And here it is Sunday. We discovered this, what, Thursday, you said? Right. And we've been just, uh, we have a fan on it. Yes, there's a fan. Yeah, there's a fan in the bathroom blowing air directly into the cabinet under the bottom part, blowing a big box, a big industrial box fan. fan, yeah. Whatever you, whatever you call it. And then, of course, downstairs in the garage area, I kept the back door open to kind of get a good breeze through there, which yeah. I probably should open the other one, um, let some more air Maybe when we're home, yeah. Yeah, flow through there so we can get a good cross breeze through the garage. Right. Kind of help air that ceiling out and stuff. But we found that the water had dripped down into my little wagon, my collapsible wagon that I use for stuff. And I had some shoes and some Azeek's shoes and some papers and movies in there. So there's a small like personal property loss, but it's I think it's going to be minimal. So yeah, so that's been our week. It's been a roller coaster and we're just figuring out how to navigate this. And unfortunately, I think that the damage is pretty extensive. And so it's going to result in construction in the house. All next week. Well, or whenever they start it, whenever they can start it. And then, uh, yeah, we're just going to work on it until it gets fixed. Right, Chris? That's right. That's right. I cannot wait. It sounds like (laughs) a fun, fun time around here. But, you know, we are buckled up for it. It's going to be fun. We're just finding the joy in it, which is we're just going to have to remodel the upstairs bathroom sooner than which we wanted. It, which is funny because we were planning on remodeling that bathroom anyways because it was, it was old and it was the actual original Vanity. Stu- yeah, original stuff in that yeah, bathroom. Yeah, the 1980s. Yeah, this house was built in 1988, so it had everything from back then. Right. So we were just thinking, oh, well, after the wedding... The next project that we'll do is probably get a new air conditioner and then we'll hop over to do the upstairs bathroom because I just did the downstairs bathroom a couple months ago and our master bath is beautiful. But uh, unfortunately, I think that that's going to be on a fast forwarded timeline. Right, Chris? Exactly. And that's one of the things that happens when you are a blended family and you're learning how to make things work is sometimes you're fixing the actual house and sometimes you're tending to your family foundation, right? Oh, yeah. Do tell. Well, that's what we do. That's what we're trying to do along this process is stick it out together and remember that we're on the same team. And we have a great guest that's going to talk about that right after this. Hey there, K2 crew. We love having you as our loyal listeners. To keep up to date with what's happening behind the scenes, check us out on social media. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. And don't forget to follow our Facebook page. Yeah, tag us in your favorite fun stories. And guess what? You might just end up on the show. Hey, 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 welcome back, everybody. And today, our very special guest happens to be an author, a coach, and a speaker. Please welcome to the show, Joel Habaker. 
Hey, thank you guys for having me on the show. I'm excited to talk with you today. Yeah, we're so excited to have you on here. Now, Joel, where are you joining us from in the world today? I am joining you guys from the very warm location of Anniston, Alabama, about an hour from Birmingham, if anybody's familiar with this area. Yeah. That's that's towards the south end of the state, right? Uh, Yeah, yeah, no, we're we're Anniston, uh, up in uh, the north central part of Alabama. Okay, now the only place in Alabama I've ever been is to Mobile, Alabama. Okay, yeah, that's the other end. Okay, That's awesome. Down by the beach, we're up. Well, you are our first guest from Alabama, so congratulations. We're excited Thank to have you. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us <laughs> Thank today. You. I, it really is my pleasure. You guys are in California. That's correct. Yes, down south by the border, okay. San Diego. In San Diego. Okay. <laughs> got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Excellent. Cool. Well, we are really looking forward to having you here today with our listeners. Um, Just a little bit of background. Joel and I connected online, and I was really fascinated with his background and a little bit of his story. And so we asked him to hop on over here because we thought not only would our listeners get a lot out of it, but Chris and I personally would get a lot out of it. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So (laughs) (laughs) this is like Chris is like surprised. So Joel, why don't you just hop in and tell us just a little bit about your background and who you are first? Yeah, thank you. So um, I am a recently retired high school teacher. I've been a high school teacher for about 14 years. And uh, I'm also divorced and remarried. I've got two daughters from my first marriage. They are uh, 13 and 16 years old. And so what I'm doing now that I'm not teaching high school anymore is I am uh, working in full-time blended family work. So a blended family is uh, could be step families, could be divorce and remarriage, or a, a widow or a widower's gotten remarried, could be an adoptive family or a foster family. And what I do is I try to help those families identify where they are struggling and then put together individualized plans to help them move forward. So uh, I'm, I've actually re- recently written a devotional for blended families, and I'm also working on a full-length book about it. I've done uh, professional speaking for a few years in addition to high school teaching. I've been a, a soccer coach for years. I love doing that as well. Um, and so these are, these are things that I really enjoy and feel very blessed to get to do because these are things that uh, I would do even if I were just independently wealthy. Uh, but they're also things that I feel like are necessary, and, uh, and there's a lot of um, – I mean, there's a lot of people out there who need help with it. So I'm very glad to be able to hopefully fill in some of that gap and provide some people with some encouragement and, and that sort of thing. Oh, that sounds awesome. Now, would you mind telling us just a little bit about your own blended family journey? Sure. So my blended family journey actually started when I was uh, in middle school. My parents split up and about a year later, my mom started dating a guy that I still refer to as my stepdad, even though they never got married. Uh, They dated for a number of years and and he and I still stay in touch. And um, so that was kind of where it started for me. So I've seen it from the standpoint of being a uh, a young person whose parents divorced. And then I got married for the first time um, after my sophomore year of college. I was 19. Uh, wow, that lady in our, wow, 19? Yeah, it, was, it was pretty young, yeah. Um, <laughs> we were married for eight and a half years. We had our two daughters together, and we, um, we divorced uh, about 10 years ago now. And uh, she is remarried, and I am remarried, and we live about a mile and a half from each other in the same very small town in Alabama where <laughs> we live most of our lives. Um, and so, you know, as a result of some of those things, we have we've really had to learn how to get along and co-parent and make our family function. Because in a in a tiny southern town, there's not a whole lot of secrets. There's not a whole lot of hiding. And uh, again, for us, there are a lot of examples out there on how to have a 
uh, an unsuccessful or a really stressful or really hard blended family. What we want to do is to try to help people learn how to do it better, to live more positively, to live more cooperatively. And, and so again, that's kind of what I try to help people learn how to do because every blended family is different. Uh, and, and even the ones that you're in, they're going to change. So for example, when we first uh, started our blend, when my wife and I got married six years ago, my ex-wife got remarried about six months before that. And so we still just had the two kids from our first marriage. Uh, but then a couple of years later, my ex-wife and her new husband had a baby together. So now my little girls have a, uh, a four-year-old, five-year-old little brother. So my younger daughter, who's always been the youngest, is now the middle child on the weeks when she's at her mom's house. She's still okay, the younger okay. child when she's over here. Right. And so those dynamics change. And so even if you're in a blended family, what it looks like right now may be different than what it's going to look like a year, three years, five years from now. And so, again, my my goal, my job is to try to help people put together a plan that fits their family, whatever changes are going to come along. Because, again, each each blended family is unique. So um, when you got divorced uh, um, and you said you guys live fairly close together, like a mile apart, yep. was that hard? I mean, to be that close and kind of like go through that whole process? You guys didn't like decide to move out of the state away from each other? That was, we actually talked about that sort of thing because our girls were so young. I think they were, um, like, you know, three and five-ish, depending on the time of year you're talking about. Um, we actually talked about it and, and we kind of, we had a, an agreement to where neither one of us would move away until the girls were out of out of the house and, and off, you know, gone to college or whatever. And the reason for that is because for us, we believed that the best thing we could do for our girls is to provide them as much stability as we could. Of and course, that meant of course, staying yeah. close together, right? Yeah, um, I, I kind yeah, of the so same thing too. Yeah. In the same area. Yeah. yeah and, so, uh, and it's not always easy, but it is the right way to go, at least for us. Yeah. So that's really interesting because Chris and I, um, I don't know if we've shared before this, but we are both, um, well, we're engaged, uh, but we both come Congratulations. out of, thank you so much, but we come uh, to this both having gone through divorce and uh, Chris okay. and his relationship and his previous relationship, they do live in close proximity. So his um, previous spouse lives about three miles from us, but my uh, mm-hmm. former spouse and I live about 350 miles apart and we co-parent um, okay. from a distance. And so um, okay. we definitely have both sides of that. Yeah, I, I can totally yeah. relate with what you're saying. You know, that discussion of are we going to parent in, in close proximity or far away? It's a big discussion to have. Yeah, it certainly is. And I'm, I'm glad that you guys are willing to share all that. Thank you. Um, I actually just had a conversation with uh, a client this morning who um, she is, um, she's divorced twice and uh, married now for the third time. And she has two kids from her first marriage. And she and her first husband live hundreds of miles apart. And he hasn't actually had any contact with their kids for about seven years up until oh, about six no. months ago. Wow. Yeah, he just, just, yeah, he just, you know, wasn't interested. And I'm not saying that to bash him. That was just kind of where he was. Um, and now, within the past six months, he is in a place where he's wanting to reestablish contact with them. And so that's become a big discussion, not just between m- the mom and the dad, but also between the mom and her husband now and the dad. And, right. the, and you know, and the dad's girlfriend who is in the picture when the, when the daughters are with him. And so, again, it's just every blend is unique. Uh, the decisions that people make uh, are based on their circumstances and doing the best they can at that time. And so my job is to try to figure out where people are and where they want to be and, and try to create a roadmap to help them get there. That's awesome. So what led you to 
seeking this out as a profession? Like what kinds of experiences and training have you had that have set you up for this? It's really interesting. This is not something that I really sought out. I feel like this is somewhere where God has really moved me because, um, I've, again, I've been a high school teacher for most of my adult life, and I love that job. I love. I majored in history. I've taught history for years. I love studying it. And um, that was what I've always planned on doing until I retired, just be that really old history teacher who's been teaching since history was the present and just do that forever. And the past couple of years, I've just felt less and less contented in that role and really felt like this is where God was calling me because I, I started out as a professional speaker focusing on leadership. And I even wrote a book about it a couple of years ago and, you know, spoken at colleges and high schools and churches and different conferences and had some success doing that, but always felt this nagging sort of pull in this direction. And in the past year, it's become more and more clear to me that there are just so many families that need help. Um, and not that I'm claiming to have every answer, but that we have been through some pretty tough experiences and I've got lots of people around me, lots of different friends or acquaintances who have been through tough experiences that we've learned from. And so I've just really felt like if I can help people make, uh, if I can help people move forward without having to make all the same mistakes that we did, or if I can help them avoid some of the hard situations and the hurt feelings that we had to go through, I feel like that's a worthwhile calling. And so that's something that I really am. um, And again, I feel very blessed to get to do. So how do you get qualified to do that? Do you have to, are you, do you have to be a therapist or you have to go, I mean, how does that work? That's a very valid question. Um, So for me, honestly, it's just life experience. Again, uh, I told you guys, I've been part of a blended family for almost my whole life. I went through it as a a young person. I've been through it as an adult. It's been 10 years of being in a uh, a co-parenting situation with my ex. And along the way, I've just, you know, sort of become that person where a lot of people will go to and ask questions. And in doing that, um, I had to do a lot of research and find the answer. So I've got, you know, a bookshelf of different books of marriage books and, and co-parenting books and things like that. And, um, spoken at a couple different conferences about this topic and, um, there, you know, there are coaching certifications out there you can get, you can become, actually I've, I've got a, um, an online conference that when this airs, the conference will have taken place just a couple of weeks ahead of time. Okay. And it's myself and 12 other speakers. And some of them are pastors. Some of them are counselors. Some of them are uh, st- like uh, licensed co-parenting um, experts or whatever it may be. So there's all sorts of things you can go do. For me, it, it's just life experience. Like I said, I, I've just become that guy that people come to and ask questions. And I say, here's what I've learned. Here's what I would recommend. Here are some other resources to go and figure out or to go and check out. Because again, I, I don't claim to have all the answers. Here's what I can tell you. I can't make any guarantees regarding your ex and how they are going to respond. Right. There's no such thing as a magic pill. <laughs> There's no silver bullet. Like if you're coming to me and you say, how do I get my ex to do this? <laughs> I'm going to say, I don't know, because that's not possible <laughs> for anyone to do. Like that's just, that's not the realm of reality that right. we live in. What I can do is I can help you address your attitude, your mindset, and your actions to where you feel more in control of the things you can control and you have more contentment letting go of the things that you can't. That's what I can do. 
That's awesome. So let's take that a little bit closer to home for Chris and I. You know, as I mentioned, we're engaged. We're on the countdown. Mm -hmm. I think we're at like 158 days until the wedding day. I was going to ask when the date is. Yeah, November 20th, if all goes well. You know, if Hawaii reopens. Yeah, we're getting married in Hawaii. Um, Wow, that's great. They (laughs) had a quarantine going on. They still do. They still still do? Yeah, even as this is airing, it's supposed to lift July 31st. So Okay. Um, but with Chris and I, we we view our podcast kind of as a bonding experience for us. And sometimes it's quasi-therapy, you know, through our creative differences. But uh, one, of the <laughs> Absolutely. Things, one of the things that we've discussed um, outside of the podcast is that um, we both know that we come into this relationship having past hurts and past betrayals mm-hmm. and struggles. Um, and we know yep. the stats that are out there around second or third marriages. It's a second for both of us, but we want to make this successful. And so if you were to engage with a yep. couple like us, what would your approach be to help mm-hmm. us find that solid footing to find success? That's a wonderful question. So what I would actually do is I would start by asking you some more details about your own um, situation. Uh, what I do is I have a... Uh, I don't know what you call it, a pedagogical tool that I call the Ten Commandments of Blended Family Life. And before we get into those, I actually have what I call the five discussions that every blended family needs to have. And the first personal discussions, which you just brought up when you mentioned we both bring hurts from the past into this relationship, right? And so that's one of the big things that I always encourage people, especially people who are thinking of creating a blended family, um, that's one of the discussions you need to have. You need to talk about uh, things like what is our approach to parenting going to be? Is it going to be I parent my kids and you parent your kids? Are we going to try to parent them together? Uh, what does the living situation look like and how does that affect our parenting? Do, do all the kids live with us? Do some of them live with us sometimes and others live with us full time? Like those things are all factors that need to be considered. Um You also need to talk about the issue of uh, respect and how that's going to be shown from the uh, kids to the adults and from the adults to the kids in terms of um, how do you talk to each other? What do you call each other? How do you refer to each other in conversation? Uh, That kind of thing, because those can accidentally become hurtful if you don't address those. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and and the other part of it, too, is uh, just wanting to make sure that you guys are on the same page in terms of the values that you're going to have when parenting your kids and when addressing each other and and that kind of stuff. So uh, the first thing that I always do with new clients is I, you know, we spend a a pretty good length of time with me just interviewing them and asking for as many details as I can get about their family dynamics so that I can understand where they are. Because if I don't know where they are, we can't together build a map of where they want to go. I mean, it's like if you try to take a road trip and you don't know where you want to get to and you don't know where you're starting, well, that's probably not going to be a successful road trip. Right, right, right. We need right, to right. know both of those things. So yeah, so we need to know where you are and we need to know what you want your family to look like, how you want it to function. And even that is a discussion that it's interesting if, if people don't sit down and actually talk about it, you may sit, when you do, you may realize that you had very different ideas of what this family was going to look like. Yeah. And so without knowing it, you could have ended up just struggling against each other because you're trying to make it one way and they're trying to make it another way. And, and you didn't really talk about that. So just as a as an example, in my first marriage, uh, my my first wife and I and our kids rarely 
sat down at the dinner table and ate a meal together. Mm-hmm. And that was in large part because of my schedule as a high school teacher and a soccer coach. Right. I was busy all the time. I also love watching sports. So I'd love to sit in front of the TV and turn on a soccer game or a Duke basketball game. Of or course, like that. of course. Yeah. Right. That's how you do um, it. That's, well, and that was what I thought. And so um, then, you know, we, we ended up divorced and, and it wasn't the fault of soccer and basketball. All those, those two things didn't really help. Um, and when my wife and I now got married, her family uh, was very conscious about sitting down and having dinner together most nights of the week. And so when we started dating, we started doing that. And I remember for a couple months just thinking, this is really weird. <laughs> like I'm, I'm not used to doing this. Um, right. and, and it and there were times it was like, but can't we just turn on the TV and watch a movie together? Like, isn't that okay too? And it was because I had a different, I was trying to superimpose my first family's culture on this new family without realizing it. Oh, that's like, I just, that's the first time I've ever heard it said like that, imp- superimposing your first family's culture on the new one. And I would say that Chris and I have had some discussions around things that, you know, well, it used to be this way, it used to be this way. And it's really hard when you have that old, um, I don't want to say habit, but that old schema or that structure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's, it feels natural to bring into a new relationship. And so some of those things, they rub against each other. Like, like you're saying, um, in my previous relationship, it wouldn't be a problem if we sat down and sat on the couch and ate dinner. Um, right. which is very, very opposite of what Chris is comfortable with. That's right. Mm-hmm. I, I'm the same, like, same way like you. I like to have the dinners at the table. We bought this table. Let's use it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's fair. Yep. Right. But we had to have yeah. that conversation. And mm-hmm. I just thought that it was, but from my experience, um, because that was my only experience in my relationship was like, well, everybody does this. They just sit on the right. couch and they have dinner. And right. that, you know, Chris says the couches aren't for having food on. Like we don't have food on them at all. And I was like, oh, oh okay. This really? is learning. That's weird. Right. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, you no, make a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I love that you you mentioned all that. It's uh, It reminds me of a little passage from C.S. Lewis's book, Mere Christianity, when he talks about how what we have grown up with, that's what we think of as normal. And the example he uses is something a lot of Americans probably aren't familiar with, but he talks about the set of fish knives that you have in your kitchen, right? The ones that you have are the good real ones and everyone else's are just sort of subpar because they're (laughs) not the ones you – and that's it. And it could be something as big as do you have family meals together or it could be something silly as how do you fold your towels? Do you fold them in quarters or do you fold them in thirds? Because that was a discussion that my wife and I had. Wait, you fold on a towels of different occasions. I know you're supposed to fold towels. <laughs> Throw them in the bundle up. Throw no. them in there. That, I feel. I feel like that's also very possible, right? If they fit in there, bundled bundled up, like that's fine too. They're in there, right? They're clean, right? What's the problem? Right. Um, you know. Uh, so, do you fold them in thirds, or do you fold them in fold them in quarters? It's funny because as we're recording this, I, I always give that example. My wife was walking through the room, and she pointed at me like, "Yes, I remember that discussion." <laughs> <laughs> and for <laughs> us, it, it was, really was like for us, it was, it was paper what? towels versus napkins. Oh, like, nice! That's a good one. Yep. Because I grew up in a napkin household where we have napkins, okay. and when we sit down to eat dinner together. With my my parents, the way that I was raised was we have a stack of napkins and Chris is a hardcore paper towel all the way person. Nice. And so we're going through like I never had I rarely had a roll of paper towels in my household growing up. What? Right. No. You telling me right now. Right. We use dusting rags for cleaning and then we wash those and then at the table towels. we used napkins. But That's funny. in in this household so you had to- 
Yeah, it had a paper towel budget. Like we're spending so much money on paper towels. We are, and I'm like, what are you doing? Like, like this morning, for example, Chris bought me some roses, and I um, accidentally nice. dumped the vase, and it shattered, and it ruined an entire oh, no. roll of paper towels. And I was like, there goes all of our napkins for dinner for the week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great example. Um, one of the other funny ones that I remember from my first marriage is how you load the dishwasher, and I use this oh, example all the time. Yes, because There's only one yeah. way to do it. There's only one way to do the dishwasher. No. Well, and it's really funny because I felt that way because it's the way my dad had done it, and my mom had done it, and for some reason they were able to come to an agreement on it. Um, and so I, I can remember very consciously, um, one daughter was a toddler, the other daughter was a baby if she was even born yet, and my first wife's younger brother was living with us at the time because he witnessed this. We walked into the kitchen. And um, I was loading the dishwasher or my, my wife. I don't even remember how it started. But what I remember is this. At one point in time, uh, one of us had loaded the dishwasher. And the mm-hmm. other one got so fed up with it, they came and unloaded the entire thing and loaded it back using their system. And Ouch. the other one came in and unloaded it and reloaded it. And oh. this must have gone on for half an hour with the voices getting louder and louder and louder. And the dishes getting slammed in harder and harder. And her brother just stood there laughing at us like, are you guys serious? <laughs> And, well, and yeah. you know, the thing is, I don't know who quote unquote won that argument. That is, I don't know who's, I don't know whose system finally got used when the dishwasher was full and loaded and, and actually got turned on. What I do know is in that moment, our relationship lost. Oh yeah. That's because a good point. Neither, neither one of us was willing to just say, dude, it's a dishwasher. They're, they're going to get pretty clean, right? Let yeah, it go. Yeah. That's a really good point. And I think that that's something that Chris and I have to keep reminding ourselves when we get into frustrating or tension mm-hmm. points in our relationship is we're on the same team. Right. We're not like we're on the same team because I think that um, there's so much in society that says that like giving up is okay or taking a side is okay or it's it's more important to be right. Mm-hmm. And I've heard this quote and I can't remember who said it and I, I I'm sad that I can't give them credit for it, but it's that do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's some truth to that where it's, you know. Well, when if you're, you're right, you usually are happy. Right. But you're happy. <laughs> but is your partner happy is the question. And do you yeah. have a happy relationship? So Yeah. And again, um, is it worth it? Like to right. win that particular argument to be quote unquote right? Like, yeah, but at what cost? Right. That's a really good question. At what cost? And so um sounds like you have some really great insight. And so we'd love to learn more about like where you're using this insight other than just with coaching? Because we heard you mention a book. What else are you doing with this? Yeah. So I actually, um, I spoke with a publisher uh, recently about uh, the devotional that I've written. I'm working on a book that I'm hoping to have done and ready to go uh, as early as this fall, which would be great. Um, I'm also, one of the things that I do is I travel and I speak. So uh, church conferences, marriage conferences, parenting conferences, couples weekends, that kind of stuff. Um, and so I'm looking to do a lot of that in the next couple of years as well. Um, so yeah, those are, those are different avenues where I'm hoping to be able to share this message uh, because it's something that I've done in the past and really, really loved. And now that I'm not tied down by my teaching schedule, I'll have a lot more opportunities to do those things because I love the school where I taught and the administrators were wonderful and very understanding. Uh, but there's only so many days that you can take off from your actual job right. to go pursue this other side thing that you're doing. Um, and so, so now that I have a lot more flexible schedule, yeah, I'm, I'm looking to do a lot more traveling, a lot more conference speaking when the world opens back up. And in the meantime, I'm doing a lot of online conferences, whether they are uh, leadership 
because uh, I've got one coming up in uh, July as well. It'll be on, it's called Five Fathers Leadership. And it's going to be, uh, what I'm going to be talking about is leading in a blended family. Because those are two of my topics that I love that I'm passionate about, leadership. Fantastic. Yeah. Hey, uh, I don't know if you mentioned this or not, but you were teaching in high school. What what uh, subject did you teach? It was mostly history. That was my major as an undergraduate. Um, and I loved it. I, I mean, I love it, love it, love it. I know most people don't like it. I would argue that's because it was taught to you poorly. I find preach. history endlessly fascinating. Yes, preach it. I'm a Do former what? history teacher yeah. and government yeah, econ teacher turned education administrator. Yep, yep. So you okay. are among friends right now. <laughs> nice. Well, God bless you because I couldn't ever go the admin route. Not just all the paperwork and dealing, dealing with nothing but irritable parents. That didn't sound appealing to me. So I'm, <laughs> I'm glad that there were people who could do that job. Definitely. It's a calling for, for some of us. So, yes. okay. So you have a devotional book, a book mm-hmm. and speaking. What are the titles yep. of your devotional book and book and where can people find them? <sighs> Um, the, the leadership book that I've written, you can find that in the ebook on Amazon. The book's called Inverted Leadership. Um, the, uh, and the ebook is called Extraordinary Leadership, 10 Things Dad Taught Me Without Saying Anything. Mm. Uh, the devotional, um, we're still working on a title right now. I'm thinking of calling it Blended Wisdom because mm. it's a 31 day devotional based on the book of Proverbs. So one, you know, a couple verses from uh, a different proverb every day, uh, 31 days in the month works out pretty well. Um, and 31, you know, chapters in the book of Proverbs. So, uh, that's what I'm looking for. The, uh, the full length book, I'm not sure about, uh, again, I've, I've got the whole thing outlined, but I haven't typed it yet. Uh, but you can find a lot of information on the, uh, my blended family work. You can find it on my websites, uh, and you can find it on my social media channels. Cause I, I share on those places pretty regularly. Awesome. And what is that website where people can find you? Uh, the first one is just my name, joelwhallbaker.com. You can also find me at uh, my original website was called reallifeleading.com. And then there's another one called stepdadding.com. And all of those have different blended family resources. And then you can find me on social media under my name, Joel W. Hallbaker. I'm on uh, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter. And pretty recently, I've joined the cool kids on Instagram. Yeah, uh, yeah that's right. Once- once I once I got my teenage daughter's permission and my wife showed me how to do it. Then, uh, <laughs> oh, you're not on uh, Twitch yet, are you? Or uh, what's or the other TikTok. one? TikTok. TikTok. You're not on TikTok yet, I, are you? I am not. I am. Um, I have a, a, an aversion to TikTok. One because I <laughs> one because I can't dance, and two because I I don't trust the Chinese company behind it. So oh yeah, good um, point. Yeah. Yeah. It's all yeah. the rave. All these kids are on it. I'm not on it, but all these kids are on it. Christine's <laughs> on yeah, it. Yeah, honestly, I'm just I'm not sure I'm cool enough for Instagram. So I'm certainly not cool <laughs> enough for TikTok. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, um, we love your story and love hearing about you, and I think that just from the position that I sit in, your service of coaching blended families is so needed. And I think that one of those reasons is because um, it is so hard when you're a blended family to sit down in therapy together. And for some Mm -hmm. of us that have gone through divorce um, and any of the trauma around that, therapy can, um, can, I don't know, it can raise emotions when it's suggested (laughs) because it feels like a failure. I mean, I love therapy. I have a therapist. I work on myself regularly. But right. I think that coming alongside a family as a coach and taking that that right. facilitator and reflective partner role is mm-hmm. one that maybe people don't think of accessing as much. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I appreciate the kind words and the encouragement. That's kind of, uh, that's been a lot of my thinking as well is there are a lot of couples who it may be really, and again, for whatever reason, if you say maybe we should see a counselor, people like red flags immediately go up. But if you just say, hey, you know, there's this guy who does coaching for blended families. 
well, that doesn't necessarily raise the same red flags. And so I'm hoping that a lot of couples will realize this is something that can truly benefit their relationship and their marriage and their whole family without necessarily some of the um, emotional stigmas that come along. Because I'm a huge fan of counselors. I'm a huge fan of of, um, family therapists. We've got one that we've gone to for years that we've seen individually and corporately. I don't ever want to say anything negative about pastors or counselors or therapists or whatever. But I just think that what I do is a little bit different than what they do. And hopefully it can help in a different kind of a way. Yeah. And we think, we strongly believe that experience is one of the best teachers and the fact that you've walked the journey and you've come out on the other side and you're a daily living testament to trying to make it work and be as strong as it can be um, really speaks volumes. And so we want to thank you so much, Joel, for being on our show today. So friends, listeners, find Joel W. Hawbaker on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Find him at joelwhawbaker.com or stepdadding.com or real life leadership. Is that the other one? Real life leading. That was really impressive. You remembered all that. Reallifeleading.com. And uh, yes, Uh I I try to remember everything. (laughs) And so we just want to thank you so much uh, for encouraging us and providing us some really good tips and resources to think about as we get ready to take the plunge in becoming a blended family. Yeah, listen, it it was my pleasure, Chris and Christine. Thank you for having me on. Uh, the other thing I went, wanted to mention is for anyone who's interested, I have a, uh, a free set of resources, a free tool that I call the Complete Blended Family Toolkit that if anybody reaches out to me, I'll be glad to send it to them. It's a PDF with a bunch of different uh, checklists and information and tools that you can help um, address and maybe help even uh, solve some of your blended family frustrations as soon as you start reading through it. So oh, wow. uh, if any great. of your listeners would like that, yeah, if any of your listeners would like that, let me know. I'll be glad to send you guys a copy of it as well. And um, that's just something that I love to do. Cause again, my goal is to help families. And if that's something that will help them, I love for them to have it. And for that free resource, is there an email they reach out to you or just through their, your social media channels? Either way, if you go to any of my websites, there's typically an e- like a contact Joel form. If Perfect. you do that, then I'll send you the uh, I'll send it to you. Or if you reach out to me on social media, uh, send me a private message with your email address, and I'll um, you know I'll send it that way. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Joel. We really appreciate your time, and best of luck as you continue to help families blend more effectively. Thanks, Joel. Hey, thank you guys very much. I've had a great time. Hey guys, what's up? It's the J Boy Show. I'm Ezekiel. And I'm Jacob. And I'm Mason. And don't forget to listen to our new odd podcast on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe. It's a lot of fun. Yes, it is. We and talk about sports, motors, engines, and all kinds of stuff. And Even YouTubers. And YouTubers. So don't forget to subscribe and listen in every Sunday. Alright, and keep moving forward. Forward. Well, that was a super interesting interview and informative. Yes, it was. Thanks, Joel, for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks so much. So I have a very important question for you, Chris. Well, well, what is it? Well, you know, Joel talked about being a family coach, and I know that we are a blended family or a blending family. Yeah. Uh, What do you think about hiring a coach? Uh, What sport are we going to play? Family dodgeball? Oh, that's it with bricks, maybe? No, no, we're not downplaying it. We totally appreciate that there is a profession like family coaches because just like we are navigating this really 
challenging road of blending families, sometimes it's really helpful to have somebody come alongside you and be a good thought partner. Right. And it's also every case is different. Every family is different and everybody's approach to everything is different. So there isn't a one size fits all when it comes to figuring this stuff out. Yeah. And so it's really important that as you find a coach that you mesh with them and that their style really fits the style of your family and that you really can trust them. Because I feel like having a coach, having a therapist, having anything like that that's in your life, it really does rely on you having a good trusting relationship with them because then you buy into their feedback, right? Of course. And and they also have to be a good listener and they also have to be understanding of everybody's situations because like I said, everyone's is different. Right. Cookie cutter approach doesn't work. That's what I loved about Joel and his approach to working with families is that it's very personalized and very intentional. And so definitely hit him up. You heard where to find him and connect with him, whether you're a blended family or a family with teenagers or whatever it is that you're struggling with. He is a great thinking partner to help you through it. Right, Chris? Amen, sister. That's, <laughs> that's right. So All right. Moving on, moving on the podcast, we are coming to you with our official, actually, yes. Officially unofficial? <laughs> officially unofficial. Shout Out Central. Woo! Now, Shout Out Central is where we say thank you for listening to our podcast. And we say to you directly by noticing the cities that are watching and countries and countries that are listening to our podcast. So we say thank you. Yes. And we are going to start off our thank yous with Ireland. Hey, Ireland. The United Kingdom. Hey, Queen. What's happening? <laughs> Canada. Hey, hey, maple syrup. <laughs> <laughs> Indonesia. I, I don't know about Indonesia. <laughs> and a new friend joined us oh, what, this what, week. Really, 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 really? Yes, Japan. Wow, Japan? Mm-hmm. You know, my, my Z is from Japan. Is it? Yeah, well, it's J- Japanese company, Nissan, hello. Oh, I didn't realize that it's like from Japan. I thought that it was made in the United States. No, it was built in Japan. My what? Car- yes. Yeah, it was built in Japan. Okay. Well, thank you, Japan. Yes. For listening. We really appreciate you yes. guys for listening. That- I know some Japanese. Well, please say something. Arigato. What's that mean? I don't know. It means I have a cat? No. <laughs> no. And then uh, konnichiwa. It means hello. Yes. And goodbye. Konnichiwa. Does it mean hello or goodbye? It means hello. Oh, does it Konnichiwa. Now? It's well, hello. When I was growing up, we had uh, exchange students from Japan every summer and then one during the actual school year. And hey, my side business just expanded into Japan. And well, that's so, fantastic. So for our Japanese listeners, if you're interested in having a great side hustle, then... You know, I, I know some Japan Japanese too. Reach out to me. Can I, can I tell you mm-hmm. my Japanese, uh, what I know? Is it going to be appropriate, Chris? It, always, always. Nissan? No, it's... Hi-ya! Oh my gosh. <laughs> you hear too much. That's all, that's all Japanese no, I know today. We love our Japanese listeners and we love our um, international listeners as well as our most listened to country, our country where we stream the most, and that is the US of A. America. America. So here, here in America, here are some of the cities that streamed us the most yep. or on the list. Thank you for listening, everybody. Thank and you. Thank you, Garden Grove, California. Ooh, Garden Grove. That's right, like near Disneyland, right? I believe so. Yes. In that uh, in that whole area. Yeah, it Southern is. Southern LA area. Mm-hmm. Next up, Merrick, New York City. Oh, New York State. Sorry, Merrick, New York. Thank you for listening. Merrick or America? Well, that's how they that got, would be great. That's how they got the term America from. It was from Merrick. All like, right, Merrick. Merrick in America. It's from people going, Merrick. Uh, New York. (laughs) There you go. Next is Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah, that place is fire this week. 
Why? Because so, it's literally so hot. It's so fire. Hot melts. You know, I bet you in uh, in Phoenix, they don't have like traditional like kitchens. They just go outside and fry eggs on the sidewalk. <laughs> you want your, want your eggs uh, cooked or more cooked? Let's well, I was just there. thinking about that. How hot is it going to be in Vegas when we get there on Sunday? Probably 110. Yeah, I have a friend that's there right now. It's 107. Oh, gosh. Ugh. Well, don't worry. The casinos have air conditioning. And, yep. and a lot of people just stay inside casinos or the pool. That's pretty much it. Yep. When you walk around, you just sweat and you get to the next casino. Yeah, we're just going to go to the pool. Speaking of next, a place that's warm and sunny, Orlando, Florida. Woohoo! Thank you for listening, uh, Mickey Mouse. And Harry Potter Land. Oh, that's right. They got the Universal Studios thing over there. Yep. So thank you for listening. Awesome. Mr. Next. Harry Potter and Mickey Mouse. There you go. And Gators. Oh, yeah. Huh? Mm-hmm. Next up. Well, actually, last up I got is Forney, Texas. I've never been to Forney, Texas. So huh. thanks for being our new listener, Forney, Texas. Now, I, I don't know what your name is, but you should uh, reach out to us either through our email, which is Chris and Christine podcast at gmail.com. And that's Chris and Christine with case or on Instagram, K2 show San Diego or through our drum roll, please website and that is chrisandchristineshow.com k-r-i-s-a-n-d-k-r-i-s-t-i-n-e show.com and you can email us yes you can find us on all those avenues but like she said our website has it all and by the way if you like can't remember what i just said if you're looking at your podcast right now the podcast player there's a little note section yep it's called details yes every single player that this podcast is playing on has that on there that's fantastic i know that great and it has hyperlinks right on their show notes it we described everything christine just said yep chris and christine show.com so if you're looking at your your ipod ipad ipod what am i talking about your iphone and you're listening to us right now or your android just click on the show notes and then hop on over and we would love to get a little bit of fan mail because coming up soon we're going to do a fan mail readout. We are? Yes, we are. I got to get prepared for that. <laughs> Congratulations. So send us some fan mail and whether you DM us through Instagram, message us on Facebook, email us or reach out to us through our website. We would love to hear what you would like to hear more of. Right, Chris? Absolutely. And on that note, Christine, yes. I think it's time we got a party to get to. Yes, we do. Uh, we are busy weekend. Party yesterday and a party today. Busy, busy, busy. We got to get going. Thank you for listening and we will see you guys next, next week. Next week. Remember this week that life is too short to wake up in the morning with regret. So love the people who treat you right. Forget about the ones who don't and believe that everything happens for a reason. If you get a chance, take it. If it changes your life, let it. Nobody said that it would be easy. They just promised it would be worth it. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Chris. And I'm Christine. And until next week... Keep moving forward.